and the saviors are kind of like drugs and we just abuse the fuck out of our savior functions and our savior animals because this is like this is what's mm-hmm. going to fucking get it done the function animals are almost like instinct stackings in the way mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. structured growth with both the enneagram and uh with these from the point of view of mbti which is still talking about personalities like you've got to address your blind spot Do my I- blast last like i don't even think to tell anybody anything about <laughs> yeah and we're yeah. next level black and black yeah. the big hormone enneagram Hi, I'm John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres over the five wing, four five eight trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres sexual nine with one nine seven four trifix. What up? It's Emika. I'm an eight wing seven, sexual self-pres with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self-pres social three wing four with a six nine trifix if you like our podcast guys make sure you go like and subscribe on the apple podcast app and if you really like us you should definitely leave us a review there's a way that opposites attract and that's true also in in other systems like in the cognitive type you know the the idea of your savior savior versus demon functions and generally you're avoiding your demon functions and eventually it catches up to you and so when you meet somebody who embodies those demon functions, it sort of like com- creates a complete loop. And mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, I've heard about the temperaments. And so like this pod has like a NTFNF kind of temperament. And the opposite of that would be like a SF um, temperament, which I would guess that Nancy probably embodies that aspect of things. What um, is it? I, I, so... SF is, um, or when S is meaning for sensory and then F is for feeling. So SF would be um, the popularity game, sort of like valuing things in reality. So like, you know, how good you look and how good you sound and, um, you know, the social media game. Um, it's, you know, also paying attention to how, how what you're doing is affecting the way people respond out there. Like, and so a lot of times I think the shadow of the way we approach things is that we're pretty much like right brain idea, intuitive types. Uh, and that's pretty much all we do on this pod, which can create this unaddressed shadow of you're not paying attention to the sensory and how that's valuable and the popularity game. So, you know, you might, write a book and it's full of these great ideas, but you have a sh- such a terrible time putting packaging the book together and promoting mm. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whereas some fucking idiot, you know, who doesn't have great ideas like Ian Crone can put a book together and get it promoted and mm-hmm. lots of people can read it, but it doesn't really have great ideas. So generally and that, when you, And that's sensory partly? Yeah, sen- sensory SF is just a you know the celebrity popularity game. You know, the popularity game is how good you look, how good you sound, how much people like you in physical reality. Uh, and then the conceptual game is just kind of what we're doing, which is, you know, generating, uh, just generating conceptual. Abstraction. Abstra- yeah, abstractions. And so if you're doing one side of things, uh, you're, you're completely ignoring the other. But um, so, for example, Beth is, 
I believe in a, a SF type. And so she's a doer and um, she's very external in that way. And the do- downside is that you kind of feel like you're on a hamster wheel and you don't necessarily have a plan. So with abstract and conceptual, it's kind of like charting a path or making connections or narrowing things down. Uh, and SF is just getting out there and doing it. So usually if you're really good at one, you suck at the other. (laughs) 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 You know, in a relationship, you can feel really comfortable with someone who's doing the same thing you are, or you can be really challenged by someone who embodies, you know, those shadow aspects of your personality that you're not Mm -hmm. addressing. Mm -hmm. Sort of related to that might be like, how do you adopt? Like, what does it mean to be, reactive if you're like with a reactive partner or something so like i don't know in these these functions but like how how would you address like a sf balancing Mm -hmm. the n of whatever yeah i I like that idea because you can apply this that concept to the enneagram where it's like you know if you're a reactive type there is a you know unaddressed shadow with the other triads Mm -hmm. so um at least what i've learned from studying you know op is that you're going to want to avoid your demon functions if you don't pay attention to them, if you don't put some conscious effort into, you're not going to want to do it, sort of like working on a blind spot, but putting attention into getting just a little bit better, it's just going to catch up to you because it's uh, eventually, if you don't address some aspect of reality that's important, it just keeps piling up until one day you have a crash. We're back. Big hormone transmitting. Today, we are talking objective personality. Emika is blasting in our face, uh, <laughs> all, all over, over our us. Face. Uh, <laughs> You're smiling. <laughs> 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 um, before we get into it, my book is out. Please buy my book. Uh, Amazon, bookshop.org, anywhere else online. Uh, David has a trifix book, Visual Guide. Buy it on anygrammar.com or anysite.com. It's very good. I wrote an intro to it, and it's very visual, and it should change the way you engage with types and trifix and the energies of the types. Actually, as I'm even saying this, I'm just realizing like how missing that is in terms of people's fluency with the Enneagram, mm-hmm. you know, just the visuals of like what type energies look like. Because mm-hmm. today, I know I'm ranting, whatever. Mm-hmm. Somebody was posting like that there's guy that Andrew Harvey or something that was on the shifts uh, thing mm-hmm. who it looks like a probably a triple positive nine in my opinion, but could be something else was a four because he was talking about darkness and it was like, you think this is four just because he's talking about darkness. You're like your view of of type is really skewed because that's yeah. not the flavor anyway. And, uh, you know, people wanting to learn about the different energies of the type dark arts academy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting name, but uh, <laughs> Dark Arts Academy, nineteen dollars. Emika's just a huge Harry Potter fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dark Arts Academy, uh, anygrammar dot com, nineteen bucks a month. We have a Christmas special um, coming up. We are typing two controversial celebrities. Uh, retyping. It's retyping. New. We're making big changes. Big Fuck changes yeah. for Michael Jackson. <laughs> yes. And Michael Jackson and Lana, 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 Lana Del, Rey. Del Rey. Hell yeah. Lana awesome. Del Rey. So it's a double feature. Uh, we really get into it. There's a lot of trigger warnings for, you know, Michael Jackson stuff. But uh, it's a Christmas special. You know, awesome. join Dark Arts Academy to, to, to see what the fuck we think. And, you know, just fessing up to 
mistakes that we have made. And it's actually really uh, funny too. It's like great because like I've I've seen, I'm not on it, but I've seen, I've watched some of it and like seeing everybody's face instead of just our fucking voices, not our fu- their fucking voices. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just it's funny and it's fun and uh, it's really interesting. And again, we are raising money for audio equipment. If you can, if you are appreciating the clarity in John's voice and my voice, <laughs> we don't sound like we're far away on in the astral plane anymore. Uh, we are investing in some audio equipment. We're trying to raise five hundred dollars to get some new microphones, audio interface that we can hopefully use to uh, record a live pod together at some point. That'd be awesome. Send us some money at for a Christmas gift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Christmas gift for your favorite pod. Send us some money at bhepodcast at gmail.com. That's our PayPal. Or you can Venmo us some money at E-M-E-K-V. Just leave a note for uh, BHE Pod audio equipment and all that money will go towards buying some new audio equipment. It's a great gift for your uh, Republican parents. You can just say, I gave in honor of you to this lovely podcast. There you go. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and buy my book for Christmas for people, please. Yeah, Um, give it to them randomly with no explanation. Yeah, don't even explain it. Just this is the cult I'm in. Uh, And here's the handbook. Save me. (laughs) And then uh, pretty soon, coming up uh, next episode maybe. uh, Oh, yeah. Is our fucking one hundredth episode? So that's the next okay. episode after this, and then the New Year's episode is just us just talking shit and, and getting being drunk. drunk. <laughs> I cannot wait personally. I mean, we got to look at like stats from the year and review like what yeah. we've done and and I'll shit see if like I that. can get Brian drunk and then get him on too. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah, I'm gonna get Beth on here. Yeah, we'll get get Alexander on here. That'd be fun. <laughs> I'm going to take some mushrooms, I think, and see what happens. That's a good idea. But you have to be able to talk while you're on mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, don't take too many where your mouth (laughs) David will just go to the astral plane and stay there. (laughs) No blasting, even more no blasting. (laughs) Complete lack. So, yeah, we we somehow started talking about uh, objective personality today, and we've just been doing a deep dive. And so John's going to make sure everybody gets all the information so they don't get lost. Yeah. And I'm I'll gonna... just be here confused in a corner. <laughs> I'm going to try to organize some of this shit. So, uh, you know, I don't know MBTI, which is Myers-Briggs type indicator very well. But it, I, all I know is it is based on Jungian functions, like functions that Carl Jung described and then organized by Myers and Briggs, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it is so popular online. and I can't like tell you like at least on the Instagram account, the big hormone Instagram account, like half the people that respond are like MBTI people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it, like there's some good stuff in there, but most of it, most of the interpretation sucks just like the Enneagram. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, this objective personality seems to solve a lot of issues that a lot of the mainstream stuff has. And so. And I should preface that that's similar to the way people uh, respond to our approach with Enneagrammer and Big Hormone. I appreciate and respect uh, the objective personality people, Dave and Shan, that they have said, we're just going to try to understand MBTI in our own way and develop things that actually help us, not just making stuff up uh, and uh, propping our identities up, but like what's actually usable. And, you know, because that was my, that was my approach to the Enneagram. It's like, if I can't use a concept, then it's not really 
usable uh, and observable. Yes. Like, what does a type eight really mean in reality in a normal person? Like, you know, just that, those, those sort of mm-hmm. questions, that's been their approach with MBTI. And so it, it makes it, um, from an inner development, self-observation point of view, it makes MBTI more useful than any other way of looking at it than I've uh, encountered. So that's why um, I've gotten hooked by objective personality, and I got hooked by it because there were a couple nuggets or concepts that were immediately impactful mm-hmm. on my understanding of other people. Yeah, and um, you know, you got to kill your gods or kill your teachers, kill your heroes. Mm-hmm. And- uh-huh. You know, kill your idols and like, you know, I just, one of the major problems that we complain about all the time is that people try to understand the Enneagram and then they make some statements that seem like authoritative and then people just try to preserve those statements without testing them and without like modifying or updating or thinking new about them. And that just gets passed on and pro- proliferated. And so uh, I like that anywhere people are like creatively and like with like real understanding trying to unpack things versus just like, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, and this sounds like it's a system that, that does that effectively. Doesn't their system, their particular version of like MBTI, you could sort of say, uh, integrate more with the Enneagram and the instincts and stuff? Well, I think the way they're doing it is more applicable to the Enneagram than, than anything that I've encountered before okay. because there's like an inner development sort of approach because, you know, just the idea of, and we, we talk about with the Enneagram of fixation and a blind spot, their system and the way that they're framing MBTI addresses that. And I haven't seen that before because if, if you can identify that you have a blind spot or a savior versus a demon, it's like, oh shit, there's something that I have to focus on and work on that I'm completely not paying attention to. So you have an inner growth development path from that. Also, also one of their main emphasis is you're typed wrong. You've yes. typed yourself wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, one reason I really like them. I remember people would just talk shit about them, and I'm like, oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> the shit you're saying. I mean, I think, I think it would be good. Like, y'all have referenced objective personality a couple times, and I think, like, even just giving, like, an overview – and then we can have them on later so that like, like, for example, instead of having them just introduce their whole system and it just being like mm-hmm. completely fresh, I don't know, it might be good that like we and listeners have like some like baseline, yeah. baseline and then we can have more interesting discussions with them because they like, who knows, but like, I don't want to gamble on that. They just want to keep there. coming back on and back on and back on so that when we, as we get deeper with it, we want to ask them more questions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unlikely that they're going to keep coming back on. And and the thing about it is that their system is so rich. It's not like we need them to come on here and explain what their system is. It's more mm-hmm. like it'd be cool to explore certain overlaps and similarities between Enneagram and, and OP. But what's interesting to me, I mean, I can give an overview of what they're doing with MBTI and why it's significant to me. Yeah, all that uh, kind of shit. Like just like the real, like that kind of overview basic stuff. And like even just a little bit about MBTI and why, it, what problems it has. Like I think that'd be great. Yeah, because yeah, I know nothing about it. So, like, I've been knowing about MBTI since high school, and it's just, like, one of those things that I didn't really find a good hook into it, and the Enneagram was the thing that hooked me. But I keep coming back to MBTI because it seems like, you know, multiple different people online have uh, found different ways to approach it. But, you know, I think David shared a video that they had discovered something called the sexual modalities, and that immediately piqued my interest because y'all know that I'm obsessed with any sort of attraction, like uh, figuring out the, the factors of attraction. 
And so what they were saying is that their um, sexual uh, sexual modalities that are lined up with the uh, a way that each function expresses itself in a masculine and feminine way, and which masculine being like not movable and forceful, and feminine being more receptive and movable, and that that expresses itself in the way that we move and we dance, and that there's something inherent to the sexual modalities that has a polarity. So, for example, if you have masculine sensory which is se or si then you have really good memory for timelines if you're the kind of person that can say oh in 2015 i did this this and this and uh like (laughs) remember details that's masculine sensory whereas if you don't have masculine sensory if you have feminine sensory there's a polarity if you have if you have feminine sensory then your intuition is masculine which i think john you have it that sounds Masculine intuition, whereas, um, mass, for example, masculine sensory is kinesthetic. So there's this sense of uh, having a sense of rhythm and having a sense of where things go, like that kind mm. of memory. Mm. Whereas, uh, you know, feminine sensory or masculine intuition has visual memory. And I know, like, John, yep. like, you, you have, like, you know, yep. you could, you know, like, very visual kind of memory. And I was mm. like, that is fucking useful. And so. That's awesome. There's an opposite polarity. So if you are a masculine sensory, you're going to be attracted to someone who has uh, feminine sensory. And so that's just on the sensory versus intuition. And so the same thing is happening on the extroverted decider versus the introverted decider. So if you're somebody who's double masculine, so masculine sensory and a masculine extroverted decider, you're someone who uh, is very punchy on on the outside world. You so, haven't said what decider is. What's decider? decider is your uh, decider functions, which is our um, TE or FE or FI and TI. TI. Uh, and so that's kind of, yeah, it's exactly what it means. That's how you judge and decide. Um, and so it's either going to be you're pushy, pushing on yourself or you're pushing on the outside world. And so those who have masculine uh, extrovert decider a much more blunt or um, more likely to be direct out there versus more likely to be uh, pushing on themselves. I'm a little bit less clear on that one. But um, I found it interesting because there was some kind of polarity there, mm-hmm. which meant that when you meet somebody, that the whole idea that you could be immediately attracted to someone, there's got to be something going on with some kind of, you know, not just any grand polarity, but function mm-hmm. polarity in the way it's expressed, yeah, either masculine or feminine. Mm-hmm. Am I the opposite of John? Am I feminine uh, they, NI? Yeah, you're masculine sensory, so you're, your NI is much more uh, fluid. Uh, so your, your memory is kinesthetic, whereas John's sort of memory, right. like that Egypt stuff is super visual, super yeah. like, yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> right. And I don't know, so- like I, I would say Nancy probably sounds. I think her sensory seems masculine to me. I uh, I can't remember timelines worth shit though. Oh, so okay, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like if you ask me when I did something, it could be five years ago. It could be five weeks ago. There's no knowing. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. You want to talk about? I mean, it's it's all complicated, but the <laughs> the whole anim- the animals thing. 
or oh yes we've already been referencing it because john yeah. is a super blaster and i guess i realize that i'm also a super blaster <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> i don't know what that means but that fits why well, you know just like uh <laughs> the the uh, they came up with something called the um function animals and it's really useful uh because it's the function animals are a combination of two functions together and so one the one the first introverted function animal is called sleep and that is anything about preserving energy for the self uh processing for the self and so like an example of sleep energy would be david and probably most likely nancy yeah i was gonna say definitely me (laughs) (laughs) as i'm sitting here yawning (laughs) yeah so sleep energy is like i gotta you know make sure i have enough energy for me uh for what i want to do so it sounds really self-prezzy um, and then consume energy, which is the second introverted animals, the combination of your, um, I forget, it's the, your extroverted gatherer for, with your introverted decider. So consume is like taking in new for yourself and updating uh, your identity based on, you know, or like what you think about something based on the new thing that you're taking. So it sounds extra attachy, uh, attachment type, because it's like, I need to. I need to learn or I need to go look up and, and learn as much as I can about a topic before I do something about it or I, I start teaching about it. Like there's not enough to absorb out there. So then when you get to uh, blast, which is the opposite of consume, it's taking your known information and teaching it or talking about it or doing something or producing something with it. I mean, a lot of the stuff I talk about is I can't learn anything unless I've applied it or talk to someone about it. That's what Blast is doing. And so, you know, John might, you know, a super blaster can, can like read a chapter of a book and teach a whole workshop on it. That's what Blast is, is supposed to be able to do. And it's useful in, in, in that, you know, you need people who can explain things. And so that's, that's what Blast is. That's why I'm Blast last. Blast last. (laughs) 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 Like, Nancy and, and David are probably blast last. And the, the issue with blast last and Beth is also is that it's just hard to communicate or take your known information and, and like, huh? don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, you know, because it's like when you have so much consume or you have consume over blast, it's like, there's so much information. You don't know which one you should say, uh, or how to organize it in a way that uh-huh. other people can take it in. So even like putting a book together, David's yep. book, it's, it's, the, what you're struggling with is how do I organize this fucking thing into a final package that other people can, mm-hmm. you know, consume. And then play energy is pinging off the outside world. You know, like play energy is getting on social media and, and like Alexandro has done or, and asking people questions and responding to them like that back and forth of I'm expending energy with people out there um, and unexpected energy. Like somebody says, Hey, let's, Let's go hang out with these people right now. And it's not something on your schedule. You just go, you're like getting energy from expending energy with other people. So it sounds really social, like Joseph is savior play. And he just gets a lot of energy with being out there and, you know, pinging off of people and and conversations and shit like that. So that's another one. So there's savior and demon. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if like you have a savior animal or function, well, can we pause for a sec? Sure. Um, I kind of want like a like maybe after you do this like like you know we're talking about functions and stuff like this and like I would like to even 
get a little clearer on like what a function is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. the kind of like those like basic, basic kind of bits. Because I don't know, mm-hmm. I can assume based on whatever, but I always find that I mean, it's like with the enneagram was people be talking about type or thinking they know what that means, and it's like those basics like are actually. So, you know, what is a personality within the Enneagram versus what's a personality within these alignment of functions? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's interesting that you brought that up because um, the function animals are almost like instinct stackings in the way mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. structured. And, and so, for example, based on what I just explained, blast and consume are about information. Consume is about taking in new information and blast is about taking that information and doing something with it or teaching it. So they're like and, on a polarity? Yeah, there's a polarity there. But they're two, they're, blast and consume are about information. And so if you're somebody who isn't, doesn't have a blind spot in either of the information animals, so that means that you're information dominant, in which I, I likely believe that, John, you are information dominant. So there's a, <laughs> there, there's a sense of, I need to, there has to, there's, you're balanced on the exchange of information. And, and like, not only are you teaching, but you, you want to take in at the same mm-hmm. time. And so what happens with, on these pods, and people notice this, is not only are you blasting, but you're also the one who's asking the most questions. Like, you know, really pointed questions. So, you know, your question about, like, what, is, what does the function really mean? Uh, that's more of a, that's an mm. information-dominant sort of approach. Whereas for me, it's like, I'm probably consume last. or Like, my blind spot is consume. It's like, I, I don't care as much as, mo- I only care as much as what I can use. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's a difference there. And so, uh, what is a function? I mean, that's, that's a whole topic, I think, uh, these guys aren't, they're not information dominant types. And that's one thing that people are frustrated with them is that they don't have a fuck ton of complete information. They just, they just discover stuff and they Mm, use it mm -hmm, within their system. mm -hmm. Um, And so what is a function that, that, that's like good 10, 15 minutes. Uh, I think the guy at cognitivetype.com has probably done the most work into those kind of definitions because he's a five and Mm. likely information dominant. But like I just said, the there's a polarity. If you have blast and sleep, if you're not, if you don't have a blind spot in blast and blast and consume, then you're information dominant. And then if you don't have a blind spot in sleep or play, then you're energy dominant. And energy mm-hmm. is the sleep and play is about how I'm expending, preserving energy for myself or expending energy out there. And so David, uh, and Nancy and myself seem more uh, energy dominant. Mm-hmm. So, and I think That's it plays itself out in, in this pod, like, you know, energy dominance, uh, are more interested in the vibe. And so like, there's a trying to like less interested mm-hmm. in information and more interested in like shifts of energy. And so mm-hmm. more silly and jokey and not to say that you're not jokey, but you're yeah, yeah. M- <laughs> much more serious about the information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that makes a ton of sense actually. Like. I will just like be like, all right, this is a vibe, but let me just disrupt the vibe to get the information. <laughs> <laughs> you will disrupt the vibe to get the information. <laughs> yeah, true. that's really like because I like this uh, edit because I mean it's making me think about like if some category, some aspect of human personality or human cognition or whatever is measured by functions, and the functions fall into this like uh, information or energy, like that's that's those like two fundamentals are kind of interesting polarities that we're operating on. Very interesting polarities. And one thing that I, uh, I really appreciate from what they've done with the function of animals, the function of animals are a really big deal concept, you know, in terms of looking at the, the, 
arc of your life and looking at like, this is my blind spot. So if you, whatever your blind spot is, is where you're going to be hit hard by life because you are not addressing that. Mm. So for example, if you have blast last, blast is about direction. It's about ordering, organizing externally for yourself, producing, uh, teaching. And so if you have blast last, there's this sense of having some kind of, um, direction for what you want to do. Like, what do I want to produce? How am I communicating? Um, if like you have blast last that, yes, there's a vision. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be that, that there's a reoccurring problem of feeling like you don't have an ability to initiate or to change paths or to mm-hmm. communicate what you want. And this is something that I've, I've noticed dealing with Beth. It's just like that inability to uh, say what's going on. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like even, yeah, yeah. even today, this is like a very small example. I asked uh, Nancy if she needed to, <laughs> to record the drunk pod uh, on a day before she didn't have to work. And she said, yes. <laughs> and I was like, if I asked John that, he would have given me the dates that he could do it. Like there's a sort of blast is over eager <laughs> to give the known information. And I had to ask again. So what uh-huh. days are you? <laughs> it did not even occur to me. <laughs> that, I was like, God, that obviously so much the sense. weekend. God. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I'm trying to get something done. I need to know what days. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. It seems intuitive. I, I don't know why you need more information from me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, blast is like, you know, I know that this is what needs to happen next, so I'm going to tell you mm. what you need to know in order to take the next step. And, and so, yeah. My like, blast lasts like I don't even think to tell anybody anything about anything that's going <laughs> yeah. on for me. Yeah. Your yeah. next level black blast yeah. lasts. This is cool because like, I sort of thought of just like the cartoon of blast I was getting is that like, like oh you talk too much or something. But like this makes a lot more sense with like mm-hmm. a, a vision and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Like people who have are play dominant also talk a lot. Like um, just uh, like play as a savior are gonna like Joseph. He mm, talks mm. a lot, um, and you know just pinging off of people. Whereas blast is like you can just. I'm. I guess I. You know, doing this part was just a revelation for me. Just because you forget that you have, I don't know, certain abilities. Like I didn't know that I could talk this much. <laughs> I mean, I. It's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, you yeah. don't. Part of the thing is like, oh, I'm not seeing myself. Right. And right. that's the, yeah. the consume last thing is that my identity is sort of like a, a blind spot that I'm not taking in enough information to actually see myself. Mm. And so I have to, by mm. doing things, I've been able to rec- uh, realize certain things about myself. It's like, oh, man, it's kind of scary to think that there's so many things about myself that I haven't discovered because I'm not taking in new mm. stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so your blind spot is similar to the Enneagram. That is literally uh, the key. And if you're not mm-hmm. making any efforts to address it, it's going to punch you in the face at some point. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, so I liked how you're going through, like, blast is direction, organizing. So, like, do you, are, like, what about, like, I know you went over the other functions, but I feel like there was something there that just, like, clicked for me in terms of understanding the functions better. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the organizing functions for, the, you know, sleep is, is uh, organizing for the self and blast is organizing for the external world. Uh, oh, organizing for self. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sleep is, you know, someone who's sleep last doesn't take the time to really process and figure out what they've experienced means for them. Like Joseph is uh, sleep last and 
he pings off of people and he might have something happen to him, but it takes a long time, even as a four, mm-hmm. to really slow down and, you know, actually saturate into digest. You know, yeah, the digest. Like he'll mm. he'll process things by doing more stuff. That makes a lot of sense for not only him being social sexual, but also he used to see himself having a seven fix. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But it's, some, his six fix is like glaring. And yes. So yeah. the, that kind of mistyping, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So sleep last is, you know, I think it's gl- people's uh, blind spots is really glaring if you're dealing with them because it's just like, mm-hmm. it's just like where you're weird. Like you're really <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> and I'm stealing a lot of, you know, stuff that they've been saying. But like, John, you seem play last. And yeah. <laughs> you know, so like this, I like if it's out, outside of your box, it's uh, you're not really interested in doing anything that it sounds like a four, but it's not necessarily four. But you, expending energy outside of you know what you're interested in, um, even in the dynamic of of the the pod, it's <laughs> like uh, you know, like you're so fixated on the information. Sometimes it's like I guess this is a way to put it, like you. And you've mentioned this to me before, is that you are amazed that you, you I can have conversations on the fly, like just random conversations about whatever. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And that's to play. Me is like and that's play. Right? Yeah, that's that's what play is. Like, you know, right. somebody just hits you up randomly about some random yep. shit. Yeah, totally. And and yep. and you can't do that. <laughs> no, I can't at all. I t- I have constantly managing people's expectations because I'm like, I can't do that. I can't talk to you. Like, and, and last night I went to dinner with a bunch of social types and myself. It was four social types and me or something. Oh, God. Like, I had this book and I'm like sitting there and I'm like, I don't know how to, like, I can't, like, conversation just like bouncing and bouncing and bouncing. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, I'm, there's, it's go, there's no information here. And so then I just start no. reading my own book sometimes <laughs> while, I'm at the, while I'm at this restaurant table. <laughs> Yeah, like if you're not blasting, if you don't have any play, then you're relying on blast because that's the only extroverted mm, function that you have. That makes sense. So like when oh. you are activated with people, you're in blast mode, which is just you're the only one talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So so what is it that makes so what is it that's which two functions or polarity is like making say sleep dominant like is that ni you know okay. introverted intuition yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, they they said um or the way the system works is that in order for you to be sleep dominant then that means your two savior functions are your um introverted uh intuition not just intuition introverted uh organizer is that what that's called um and <clears throat> or observer like, yeah, can, int- yeah, can, introverted observer. So that's either SI or NI. And can, can you guys clarify what, what savior? So the savior functions, at least what you know, as they devised it in the system, I don't think it's a net relative, uh, uh, particularly new idea for MBTI. Is your first two functions? Okay, so if on in like MBTI, because I'm an INFJ, then Here's, that would be introversion, or that would be uh, introverted intuition, extroverted feeling. Yes, yes. So you're okay. if you're an INFJ, which I think you are, your savior functions are NI and FE. And I think savior is a good name because it's like this is what you're gonna rely on to save the day. Mm-hmm. So when you're under stress, oh, you double down on your savior functions. Mm-hmm. You're overdoing your savior functions. Every every time you're talking, you know, sort of like the with Enneagram type, you're speaking from the perspective of your savior functions. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there might be some fours out there who aren't savior intuition types, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but they're still fours, but so it's interesting to see 
in ways that this stuff contrasts and overlaps with stuff we know about the Enneagram. Like, for example, you're social blind, but let's just say you had play mm-hmm. in, as a savior, like uh, like um, Joseph does. And it's not necessarily that because he's a social type, mm. because there's some social blinds that have savior play, like Kanye West, mm. who's, you know, he's so extroverted, not just because he's an assertive type, but because he's just always doing stuff with people. Um, so it's like, what is social blindness when you peel it apart from that sense of needing to, to ping off of people uh, as much as a savior play person would? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you are, if you have, uh, your savior functions are uh, your introverted observer, which is NI or SI, with your introverted decider, and that's sleep. Uh, and so for David, he is likely you know, NI and FI, uh, so he's sleep first. And then um, he hasn't been officially typed, but his second animal seems to be consumed. But yeah, it, it, it goes from there. And it's like you're over-relying on your savior functions and your savior animals so you can sort of look at your life and look at the things that you've overemphasized and um like you know you you didn't learn how to be a teacher john like it's just it was always there yeah right right (laughs) speaking of being a teacher i know you clarified some of this but can you can you clarify animal function versus savior function and then you said savior animal which seems like a combo or something yeah well uh i'm trying to get the information yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's ruining the vibe to get him. I mean, yeah, it's, for real. it's important. I, I will, I will talk about this stuff and leave so many gaping holes in the information. And, and so I need somebody to fucking. You know. All right, I'll keep being annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah keep doing it. Not that I would give a shit and you're stop. You're carrying the team. <laughs> yeah. So, like the fun- animal functions are, uh, yeah, the, is like we talked about: sleep, sleep, consume, play, blast. And if you have. Um, your your first two animals animal functions are um your saviors so you have savior animals and you have savior functions wait wait so so what you're doing is blast consume sleep player animal functions mm-hmm. these are in contrast to savior functions which are like the introverted intuition extrovert intuition this kind of things right Does yeah that, like there's the functions like mm-hmm. for example you're an infj so your functions are ni fe ti and se so your savior functions if you're a standard infj are ni and fe and your demon functions uh, uh the things that you're avoiding are your ti and se but you know for okay. infj the distinction that they've made within their system is that there are so many different types of infjs depending on what animals function animals that person is emphasizing so for you uh your standard infj so your blast your first function is blast uh, because mm-hmm. NI is taking your known organized information and FE is, you know, blasting it out. That combination is blasting it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then you're, you're, for you, you're also very introverted and you're information dominant. So that means you have blast and consume in your top three animal functions. Uh, and you also have sleep. So your last function animal is play, which is an extroverted, you know, pinging off of people. So mm-hmm. you're a, a blaster who's very focused on the information, whereas I think I'm a blaster who's more focused on the vibe. Uh, because I, have, <laughs> yeah. I have play, and I'm more likely to explain things in a way that's I don't know, entertaining that people can sort of find their way into. And I, I don't, yeah. I'm I'm not as exact about yeah. yeah where things fit necessarily. That's really yeah. That I mean that mm-hmm. seems to explain a lot of differences that we have in our style. Right. Yep. That's interesting. So yeah, you have the 
the functions and then you have the animals. And I found that's a huge distinction just because, you know, you could you could be, uh, you could have a type twin, someone who's an INFJ. It's like, but they're so different. They're so introverted. And then, you know, like just understanding, like, where does this teacher stuff come from? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like you right. didn't necessarily learn that. You probably were always that way. Like, where did I, you know, where is that stuff coming from? And why is it that it's not even a matter of intelligence. Some people are just better at just, you know, vomiting what they know <laughs> it's yeah, in a way that people want to listen. So it's like, okay, uh, someone's a blaster versus someone who's uh, self, you know, uh, processing for themselves. Well, all right. So just so I'm kind of trying to organize information and again, visualize it because I'm just playing in my type. But... <laughs> yes. All right. So with the functions as an INFJ, that means like N-I-F-E, uh, T-I-S-E. Mm-hmm. The two dominant ones, NI and FE, are my saviors, and then the two other ones are my demons. Yes. So demon and savior are kind of the contrast or the polarity on this right. level. Yes. For, then, for both the functions and the animals, you have okay, saviors so you, and you have demons. Okay, okay. And so demon is kind of like saying blind spot or neglected yes. thing, and right. savior is what you rely on. Right. So you can almost okay. look at um, you can look at the savior functions as like the dominant instinct, and then the third... Mm-hmm function as sort of a place that uh you can sort of go like the middle instinct and then mm-hmm. the last one as a blind spot you're not you're like you're you're avoiding it and you're blaming it uh and so i find that interesting that they kind of landed on something very similar to the stacking with yeah. the enneagram so the blast consume sleep play these animals yeah are these totally like original of uh objective personality or yes. are they some- okay uh-huh. And 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 do they have they they talk about like how they derive them or what they were looking at? Yeah, um, I mean the thing about it is that they they don't they're not information dominant, so it's not like they have it completely organized somewhere where you can sort of read the tra- mm-hmm. uh, through the trail of different insights that they landed on it. Like you basically have to watch a bunch of their videos, and it's you know they they are sharing. I guess people have said similar things about this podcast where. You know, mm. we are landing a lot of insights, but it's not like we've got everything organized on a website somewhere where people want like a course where it's they coming up, babies. Eventually, but it's like we're landing on a lot of things, and it's not necessarily organized somewhere. So it's like they've been working on this stuff for you know five plus years, and insights stack upon other insights. So it's like we realize this, and then we realize this other thing based on that, and eventually. We, um, and, and it's like, they're not using these distinctions or, um, concepts if it doesn't help them make sharper distinctions with typing because, mm-hmm. you know, so it's usable and it's helping them make better typing mm-hmm. distinction. So what's David, David, what is your MBTI type? Well, in the past I thought it was, uh, what was it? Uh, INTJ. You are technically an INTJ. You are. Right, right. Okay. Well, at least, you know, in this system, it's just yeah. uh, they've made, you know, a lot more distinctions as to, like, what type of INTJ you are. I don't yeah. know how much even listeners know about MBTI. You know what I mean? Like, when we talk about <laughs> yeah, extroverted yeah. intuition, introverted intuition, all this kind of stuff, like, these kind of basic True. things. Like, if I say INTJ, like, a lot of listeners probably will have no idea even, like, right. what that means and, and how, how, like, you know, we're immediately talking about INTJ to introverted intuition. And so, like, that, you know, or extra feeling or, you know, how those things are related, I think maybe we need to speak to because it's just going to be, like, like hitting yeah, well, people in the face. One thing that they've done, I don't think their their definitions aren't super specific, but they're simple enough that it's accessible for people. 
and so let me find um, what they have for just basic definitions for what the functions are, because that's one thing they did mm-hmm. is uh, what does this actually mean in reality? So with, with uh, FI is somebody who prioritizes their personal values first before they seek the spectrum of the tribe's reasons. And introverted feeling. That's what that. introverted feeling mm-hmm. is. And then NI is, uh, you know, answers are found by going over known concepts and abstractions. And so for David, you know, he's super, you know, conceptual guy. And it's not necessarily that his stuff uh, is logical or factual in reality. It's just these are cool abstractions that I value. Whereas someone who has NT, like, you know, NI or NTI or NI and TE, I haven't been, I haven't got my typing back yet, but I, I suspect that that's, I'm going to be some kind of NT. It's like, well, how does that work? <laughs> how does that fit yeah. together? How does that? So, so wait, N, NT uh, would be an intro, intuition and then thinking. Yeah. Some kind of thinking. Okay. Um, and so the together you get, you know, people who, invent tools you know with nt mm. it's about you know conceptual tools and i feel like um at least a lot of my approach to the enneagram is taking a lot of you and david's nf <laughs> stuff and bringing it down right. into <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like some kind of usable reality yeah. uh, because you know i think the majority of people are sensory or are you know right. sensory types mm-hmm. and are going to have a fair amount of like this this needs to make sense in reality and i'm not necessarily a um, a factual reality person, but the T helps ground things in a concrete way, uh, where it's not, you know, just this is valuable because I've, you know, I'm, it's valuable. Like for John, like you're saying, this is valuable externally for everyone. Like this is the way we should approach the Enneagram because, you know, this is how we grow with it. That's, that's extroverted feeling. And for mm-hmm. David, it's kind of like, well, I think this is cool. Here it is. <laughs> right. That's it. And so my understanding is that the basic like building blocks of this system are based in functions, which are like you could say like ways we process information. Is that is that accurate? Yes, um, I think uh, the best way to look at MBTI is that these are cognitive functions. Okay. And I used to think maybe this was confined to the thinking center alone, but um, the guy who runs CognitiveType.com has been studying. MBTI and cognitive functions because they're actual processes mm-hmm. in the brain. So, which means you can actually study them. Mm-hmm. So, if you're mm-hmm. engaging in uh, introverted intuition, there are certain uh, brain processes that are being engaged. And same thing with FE. And so, that's another person to check out who's, I think, doing excellent work with MBTI, although very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's approaching things much more scientifically. And my understanding of what he's discovered is that the MBTI, or these cognitive functions, are brain processes. Interesting. Interesting. That makes sense to me. And so the building blocks is like, there's the different polarities. So there's mm-hmm. like uh, intu- intuition versus sensation. And there is right. feeling versus thinking. And that these yes. can either be introverted or extroverted. And so like, I think, can you explain those? And also, can you explain what introversion and extroversion mean in this system? Because me, most people think of introvert as just like, I like to be alone versus with people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's that's a big topic because... I mean, there are multiple dimensions of introverted versus extroverted. Uh, so intuition can either be extroverted or introverted. So mm-hmm. when intuition is introverted, like NI, um, it's about organizing concepts. You know, concepts are like, you know, making connections, like making guesses and intuitive leaps. 
but then trying to narrow those down and organize concepts. And extroverted intuition is sort of like a, it's a gathering function. So it's gathering concepts, but like it's wanting new concepts. And so multiple concepts. And Joseph right. isn't any, he was typed as an any um, dominant person. And, you know, that part of the reason why that's he mistyped as a, yeah. yeah, that's what he's doing. Like part of the reason he mistyped as a seven is because he's, he's got this monkey brain thing of one idea leading to the next, leading to the next. Whereas NI is more like, all right, let's take this one idea and let's narrow it down and then narrow it down even more and, you know, penetrate beneath that layer and, and that sort of thing. So it's introverted versus extroverted or it's like, it's, it's like a microscope versus, uh, so like a shotgun that spreads out. That makes yeah. sense. So that's an example. What I just did is an yeah. example of an uh, in, intuition analogy. And that's one of the things they mentioned is that intuition savior types abuse analogies. Because analogies <laughs> are a way to, <laughs> metaphors, and it's a way to like yeah. make a connection between two different things or uh, concepts. <laughs> I love you know, that which can lose people using. because you know, like a, a Nancy or my the audience, if they're not following your intuitive leaps, they don't know what the fuck you're saying. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I think we're all accused of mercilessly beating metaphor and <laughs> intuition as a general is is what. Okay, so if you're a sensory type, mm -hmm. you are trying to find answers in the facts of okay. reality, and so you have to prove it. So a lot of the criticisms we have with the way we approach. Any grammar in this pod, which is heavily relying heavily on intuition, is that where is the evidence for mm. what we're saying? I mean, mm. it's, and you know, the thing about anything in the beginning of anything, it starts with an idea. Mm. But if you do it enough, you eventually start to collect enough experiences where you do have data. So we've been doing any grammar and you know all this stuff and coaching for long enough that we can now draw conclusions. So one of the conclusions that we have drawn from experience is that. Uh, we believe that at least three quarters of population is an attachment type. Now, that seems like a, how the fuck can you say that? I mean, mm -hmm. now, someone who's sensory uh, dominant would actually go and collect data, um, maybe from all the record of everyone we've typed, and actually mm -hmm. do some kind of research to prove that mm -hmm. assertion, right? And so, mm -hmm. most people are sensory, and sensory is about uh, trying to find the answers in the data, in the facts, in, in the experiences that are... Grounded proven. reality, right? Yeah, that's science. And so, not to say that, you know, there aren't intuition types in science, but, you know, it gets into a conceptual sort of, like, physics or something where it's not even in reality anymore. We're, we're like, we've gone into the future. We've gone into another dimension. So, well, with intuition, the answers can be found in uh, the concepts and the abstractions. For example, let's say you've had these experiences that are in reality intuition is to say i'm going to look at these experiences and draw conclusions make mm, guesses mm, mm, as to what it means so, so that's what we make do a on model this, right yeah that's what we do on this podcast is like oh we had this experience and this experience what are some conclusions and implications we can draw for what this means as an overview and you know if you don't ground that overview in the reality like you need both if you're yeah. overdoing intuition then you lose people and people don't know if you're on planet earth anymore. But if you're doing too much sensory, people are like, what the fuck is the point? Where, where are you this going is, with this? This is why people are thirsty for Nancy on this. <laughs> exactly. She's the sensory. <laughs> she represents the sensory. <laughs> so you can see how you could be living and approaching life completely differently 
depending on what you're overdoing. And it's like we're always abusing the fuck out of our savior functions because we believe this is, you know, sort of like the dominant instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what's going to fucking save the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are two dominant functions or savior functions. These are mm-hmm. the ones that we rely on. That's why they're to save us, to, to navigate. And then those are in contrast to the polarity of demon functions, which are the, are two ones that we don't really trust or rely on. Is that the way to put it? Yeah. And another way to put it, and this is something that was helpful in you know understanding Enneagram blind, uh, instinctual blind spot, is that in order to overemphasize your saver functions by default, that means that you're pushing away mm. from other functions, which means that those functions now become your demon functions, just like with the instinctual mm. blind spot. In order for you to have a dominant instinct, you've got to really not pay attention to that last instinct because that's yeah. what's propping up the dominant instinct. You can't have a dominant instinct without... It won't be dominant unless you're you're uh, neglecting something. Right. Right. So um, the demons, the demon functions are something that we're neglecting in order to focus so much on our saviors. And what that does is it creates a backlog of unaddressed shit uh. that eventually, you know, because it's a blind spot, you won't really notice it until it fucking punches you in the mouth at some yes. point in life. And so, you know, growth with both the Enneagram and uh, with these, from the point of view of MBTI, which is we're still talking about personalities, like you've got to address your blind spot. Yeah, I mean, as the three all know, uh, like I'm going through a major, like this whole year has been like seeing how I've, like both from an instinctual point of view, and I also think from this system point of view of like ignoring my blind spot without even knowing, I, like I didn't know I had these blind spots or they mm-hmm. were as deep as they were. I'm now seeing like how I feel like you know, I was deeply betrayed, you know, like, mm-hmm. and used by like the three people I was spending the most time with over the last several years, you know, and just like, uh, and one thing after another that I just did not see coming, I was very naive about. And so, uh, yeah, like that shit will kick your ass. <laughs> it's it's yeah. been just like destroying everything. Yeah. And for me, this year has been a big year in terms of being able to see myself mm-hmm. and through, you know, the relationship I'm in and some experiences that I've had. And it's just been a huge wake up call that there are things about myself that I haven't realized because I'm not open to experiencing new, that there's a, such a very small channel of experiences that I'm open to. Like I've known about objective personality for years, but it took a sexual modalities video for me, we're like, oh, I'm going to actually go check that out now. Like, you know, it's like, so how many things am I not paying attention to or am I not, you know, open to that uh, could have the possibility of changing my life? I mean, here's a quick example. Mm. Um, just doing this podcast was a revelation for me. It's like, I'm actually good at producing audio content. Yeah. Like, I'm really good at it. Not, mm-hmm. not like, it's not something I have to really try that hard to do. And so I was like, I mean, this is something you take for granted. You assume that everyone likes music or just likes listening to stuff but then i started thinking about it for example john like when you go into a new space like a new apartment the first thing you do is you set up your all your artwork and your objects like your visual space needs to be attended attended to first and for me in college it's not like i've had like great sound equipment but the first thing i always set up when i get to a new room is my speakers i just needed Uh, you know uh sound my sonic environment was the first thing that i needed to set up and so that's always been there and you just sort of take it for granted. So doing this right. part, I was like, oh shit, like I'm actually really good at this. And I bought my first uh, uh, headphone monitors, which is just like professional studio headphones. And I sat, I spent like a good 
24 hours just like shook because it just blew me away that I spent, I, it took me like 10, 15 years to buy one of these. Like it just hearing what I was hearing was like, I've never heard music like I'm hearing music now. <laughs> cool. And I was just like stunned that you could, I could go my whole life and, and not know this and mm. just discover something that felt so life-changing. And it just makes me feel like, man, what are some things that I'm missing? Yeah. And so that are, your point is your consume last, right? That's yes. Like yeah, whatever yeah. your, your last, it's such a blind spot that, um, it is the thing that's stopping you from, I don't know, being a fully formed human being. And there's so many things that you, it is the thing that you're neglecting to such a large degree that it's stopping your growth, you know, stopping mm. you from having mm. certain experiences. So consume is like this ability to update your identity based on new, new input. And when you're, when you're not doing that, it's like, you can get really stuck. And, um, so it takes me. 38 years to realize certain things about my chemistry, you know, like that kind of stupid shit. So yeah. one more time. So your consume last and how does that happen that your consume last in this system in OP? So if you are uh, last in a certain function, then the opposite polarity function or not function animal, I should say is dominant. Sorry. One, one sec to just because we were out of order a little bit, like, the animal is a new term that represents the combination of functions, right? Like a co common two functions working together create an, what's called an animal. Right. Like, yes. And they've got their own subcategories called blast, consume, sleep, and play. Yes. Yeah. Um, we've already kind of explained. I don't know if I went into detail, but like, for example, blast is the combination of your uh, introverted observer with your extroverted decider. So for John, he's a blast lead because he's a, N-I-F-E. His first two functions are N-I and F-E, which automatically creates the, the blast function animal. So you can be an INFJ, but with a different order of function animals, uh, which gives you a much wider range of the different ways that uh, a type could express itself. And I, I find that really useful, um, not just because of uh, that's a cool concept, but because you can be an INFJ and if you're play last like John, like your life struggles are going to be very different than uh, an IFJ who's sleep last or consume last, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, so from an inner development, inner growth standpoint, like it's really important to identify the order of your function animals. And, you know, sort of like a meme, like we talk, make jokes on here about <laughs> how much of a blaster John is. Like he, he'll go on his blast rants. Um, that's what blast and savior state is. And the saviors are kind of like drugs. And we just, abuse the fuck out of our savior functions and our savior animals because this is like this is what's mm -hmm. going to fucking get it done so would you be able to go through um i don't know if i'm interrupting somebody else's question so let me know if you're I'm the only one who has questions <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah okay so you're running the show so <laughs> all right so like uh i want to i want to touch back into because we didn't we talked about uh, intuition versus sensation but we didn't get into feeling versus thinking and then what those introvert extrovert mean but also maybe, and then maybe after that, we can come back to what's like, like the way we might say like, oh, somebody who is social blind, uh, they miss social cues, blah, 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 blah. What would be like a, if somebody, like a quick sketch of like somebody who is uh, basically last in blast can consume in sleep or in play. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can do that because that's easy. Cool. Uh, I just talked about consume last for me. So it's like someone mm -hmm. who is, it's not like, oh, you don't read or you don't take in new information for yourself. but um, 
when you're last in a certain function, similar to what we've said about the instinctual blind spot, it's kind of compartmentalized and it, you get weird in the way that you do that, uh, that, that function animal. You're not like we talked about, um, David and Nancy being blast last and, you know, like me editing this pod, Nancy is trying to land on what she wants to say, but it's sort it's sort of like the struggle of trying to organize how to say it. And blast is this ability to take your, the stuff that you know and organize it in a beginning, middle and end. And so mm. people who are, have savior blast somehow can, I think something that John and I are doing and what, what I noticed when I say, let it fly is that's just blast. Like, I feel like we can just figure out how to organize it, even though we don't necessarily know where it's going as we're mm. speaking mm-hmm, and, and, mm-hmm. and so also a way to sort of teach yourself is that I'm going to blast it to myself. And so this thing of, <laughs> I'm just going to start talking and I'm going to figure out how to organize what I'm talking about, even though I don't really know what I'm talking about. And somehow I end up organizing it by the end of, you know, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, that's what blast is doing. And people who are blast last have a really difficult time doing that. And you're sort of allergic to that last function. Um, and so a podcast medium is very much blast play, uh, those two function animals. And the, the more, the higher those are for you, the easier it is for you to just sort of vomit out what you want to say and have it be coherent and how you want to say it. So that's blast last. So play last for John is someone who plays about expending energy with people, the tribe, um, doing things. So pinging off of people, just having these random conversations, doing random things with people. And so when you're play last, you are only interested or only capable really of doing things within your box of your interests and things like that. And even if this is like a demon function animal, it's still something you're going to struggle with. I I still think I probably have play as a a demon function animal. But um, if if it's your last function or if it's your blind spot, like you are crippled in your ability to dance with people energetically. You, you just, mm-hmm. it's hard for you to expend energy randomly with people that aren't in your box. It sounds social, social blind, uh, of not able to really jump in, in the energy exchange with people. That makes a lot of sense. You know? And so then sleep last, Joseph is sleep last where sleep is about being able to process and preserve energy for the self. And so it sounds like self pres. And so when you have experiences, sleep is the ability to go in and figure out what this means for you and, and organize your experiences and what, how it's significant for you. And if you're not doing that, you have this blind spot where you can end up just running yourself into the ground, where you end up crashing uh, and, having, feeling, and feeling that you're forced to have to process for yourself and figure out what things mean. So like John, or, uh, Joseph uh, just went through a breakup recently. And his response to it was just a, well, I'm just going to move to an, another part of town and, and get back on the prowl. <laughs> mm. So it's just sort of like with sleep last, just processing, not really even processing, but just continuing with activity. And so we end up noticing just like with the blind spots, it's really glaring things about people. Like mm-hmm. this is where we're really mm-hmm. weird. I think it's really easy to notice people's savior functions, but it's also, or function animals and savior functions. But um, the things that are fucked up about people and the things that are weird about people are, are that last, uh, that last function and that last animal. 
So you're it's, saying I'm a weird blaster? <laughs> ever so confirm. <laughs> it's like people can't understand what the fuck you're. You know where where does that mean? Where is that? Where is that going? Like what yeah. is the implication of the if this is abstraction, David? I don't know, man. It's just, it's yeah, just cool just, stuff. Just just be with it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like there was one episode where I think when we first uh, when you started uh, talking about the Trifix booklet and John asked you. So what kind of experience would you like people to have from this? And you were like, um, just, I mean, just because he, he was going to write an intro for it. And you were like, just write whatever you think, you know, like. Whatever. You tell me. Yeah, I don't know what I did. <laughs> you just know I did something. So, yeah, like Blast is, you know, it's almost like you can look at the different roles that these function animals are playing in the whole, any whole process. So blast is sort of preparing an experience for others. Um, so if you, we were planning a party, the blast person would be like, well, we need to have music here, lights here. Uh, you know, partly context. It sounds like blast. Like Mm -hmm. that's my thing is I, I like, like John gave the booklet, the, uh, context. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like why it's important. Uh, why it matters, why people should give a fuck. And a lot of times when I'm listening back to the pod, I mean, it's one thing to be on the pod, but it's another thing to be, you know, editing and figuring Mm -hmm. out like what the pod is going to be. Cause now I'm looking at it from the perspective of a listener. And like, I'm always thinking, why should anyone give a fuck about this, this stretch of five, 10 minutes of this conversation? Mm. Is this something that anyone should hear? And uh, does it add or subtract from the episode? That's what blast is doing. Anyone who's like producing mm-hmm. anything is thinking about how this is going to be received by that person. And so how do I change aspects of this thing so people can have a certain experience? That's what Blast is doing. And so that's what Blast is doing with information in terms of teaching. It's like, yeah, the Enneagram, but I'm here to tell you what aspects of the Enneagram that you should pay attention to, what you should emphasize and what you should forget. That's, that's what a teacher mm-hmm. or a blaster is doing. And so, yeah, so can you circle back to uh, feeling versus thinking, what that represents, and then what it means when they're extroverted or introverted? Okay, so feeling is about valuing, and um, I mean, not just emotions, but, you know, emotions are irrational. You know, when you like a certain t-shirt, you don't Mm -hmm. need reasons for why you like it. It's just you're valuing it. And so the difference between um, extroverted versus introverted feeling introverted feeling is is personal like john likes egypt you could say that that's an introverted feeling interest but you know because john is a savior fe he is framing his interest in egypt in how it's valuable to people on a spectrum like to the whole Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's not just like i just like egypt fuck off it's more Mm -hmm. like egypt represents something about inner work that we should all be paying attention to that sort of thing. That's extroverted feeling. That's extroverted feeling. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So introverted feeling is more like David, where it's like, I discovered this thing with the Baba Chakra and it's interesting. Why don't you get into it? You know, that sort of a thing. It's not necessarily trying to explain. He's having a harder time explaining why people as a whole should value the Baba Chakra. But that's more or less mm-hmm. the question that you're asking him, John, is right. why, why is this significant to everyone? Um, and for right. David, this is mainly significant to me i mean you might others might be able to gain some insight but it's significant to me and it's valuable to me you know that's that's the difference and 
and for me, it's like I'm handing it to you, and I don't care what you do with it. You you take this crazy magic ball and do something with it, and I don't, you know what I mean? I, I don't need to direct it or teach it, kind of. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And for thinking, extroverted thinking is TE, uh, which is, you know, like taking David's thing, and I think this is what I do, is taking David's FI, Baba Chakra, and picking out something like the collage exercise uh, Mm -hmm. that can be useful and um, you can actually give some logical reasons for why this is useful for instincts because it's, it's actually something that we can use to type. So that's more TE, like a bunch of people on a spectrum can use this thing uh, and we can figure out how to make it work for us, a wider spectrum of people that's extroverted thinking. And TI is my own personal logical reasons for that why this works i'm doing my best with these definitions mm-hmm. i'm not mm-hmm. like you know but that's basically the gist so is there anything that like uh since we're kind of just doing like a casual inner uh, overview like is there anything else that seems like important to uh, to get into about these because let's see i'm looking like one thing i guess you talked about uh observer and decider and yeah yeah i'm, I'm unclear what those uh, are Okay, that's actually a big deal. Similar to the hexad versus attachment uh, distinction that we discovered this year, the observer versus decider is almost like two different two different species of human. Like, it's a huge, you know, binary divide. So observers talk about things. So this podcast is an observer podcast. Mm. We're talking about personality, and we're talking about categories, and we're trying to understand them, um, but it's not... It's we're not having a decider conversation, and decider conversation is much more about identity. It sounds social, even though it's not. So it's it's deciders talk about oh, you know what this person did, uh, and what it meant to them. There's a lot more like that image centered sort of shame around mm-hmm. how I'm being perceived versus my identity versus what the tribe on the spectrum feels or thinks. So the decider functions are um, FI and TI and TE and FE. So introverted decider is like, I'm prioritizing my own personal identity and my own personal values first, but I'm neglecting the the tribes or the external world's uh, values. And so if someone is dominant in a decider function, that is their whole world. That, that That's where they're sensitive. Whereas um, if someone who is dominant in an observer function, which is like NI, any of the sensor observer functions are SI, NI, or uh, any and NI. Yeah, any mm-hmm. NI, SI, and SE. You're talking about things. And you're talking about, you know, order versus chaos. And so when observers start talking about stuff, it's like, I had this experience where I almost got into an accident or... I had this experience where I let this wrong person into my life and I'm trying to understand, you know, this sort of control versus chaos versus, and then the deciders are talking about, oh, this person did this to me or um, because this person said or thought this thing about me, it prevented me from having this experience in life. Have you noticed that thing where certain people have bad experiences and they blame people versus Mm. instead of blaming circumstances? Mm. That's Mm. a decider conversation. It's somebody else's fault. 
Whereas an observer is like looking at it may be someone, but someone as a representative of a thing. Well, I mean, like with my thing, uh, I keep blaming my blind spot. Yes, exactly. Why, what was I doing that allowed somebody like that into my life? So yes, that that's why we have the conversations we do because we're looking at we're not necessarily having conversations about people. Uh, like I think a lot of times when people take typing personally, that seems like more of a decider point of mm. view because the observer point of view is saying that you are separate from your personality. It's just a mm. representation of a personal personality dynamic. So when something goes wrong, you want to understand the dynamic. You're not going to blame the person. Mm-hmm. Or if you get typed a certain way, it's not necessarily means that we hate you. We don't care about you personally. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just it's just a category. <laughs> we so might that's, hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not you specifically. We might hate people in general. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. So it's it's a decider versus uh that that uh distinction is huge because yeah. it's a completely different orientation and it feels like you attract uh people generally or you feel comfortable with people who are on on the same side of that coin. So people always ask like introducing Enneagram type like how do you how can you figure out your type mm-hmm. so how do you like what's the like it seems like this would be almost I mean at least to me more complicated to figure out your type uh, somewhat yeah we were inspired to start Dark Arts Academy because we saw um, that they were making videos around typing I mean we've been wanting to do videos around typing or some kind of course around typing for mm-hmm. a long time but mm-hmm. just to see that oh people actually want to consume content on a weekly basis around typing and so seeing them do that was not only it's like, this is really useful, but it's also really entertaining. Mm. So they walk through the way that they type and they have a process. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see what I can apply that's similar to the Enneagram. You know, for example, hexad versus attachment is such a huge distinction. So you can start there. Can you just, can you see, make a distinction that this person is a hexad type or an attachment type? And so they usually start with, observer versus decider because it's such a huge difference like what you talk mm-hmm. about the way you see the world so that that splits you know in half the possibilities if you can figure out if someone is you know abusing or overdoing observer versus decider um mm-hmm. that narrows things down and then they go from there and say you know is this someone who's abusing intuition or abusing sensory because that's a big difference and then you can go is this introverted or is this extroverted so i mean mm-hmm. It's not easy, but so it's... One thing to say, too, is what you're saying. First of all, in total, when you do all the micro little distinctions in that system in OPS, the, it's, there's 512 types. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing when you do that first um, decider versus observer, you're just eliminating, you know, what is that? Two hundred Half. Six, yeah. yeah, 266 or whatever that is. 56. Um, that kind of thing. Anyway. Yeah, like the thing about typing with the Enneagram is that once you understand the structure of the Enneagram type, like, for example, maybe we start out with the centers, like, all right, is this person a body type, thinking type, or a heart type? Yeah. So that narrows things down. Um, and then you just go from there. And I think what I like about what they've created with uh, objective personality is that similar deal is going on, that there are these distinctions that they've been able to make. And if you can triangulate on three distinctions you can nail down what someone's type is just like if you can triangulate with the enneagram like okay this is a head type oh they're they seem like a positive type or they're reactive now you need just like one more and you can nail down what someone's type is and if you just get good at observing 
and making those distinctions and being able to triangulate on, or, you know, because the Enneagram, you have to be able to hold multiple distinctions at once. If you can hold on, you can find three distinctions, you can nail down somebody's type on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what we're being trying to show people with dark arts. It's like, once you learn what these distinctions are and how they show up in people, you can actually type people pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. not only do you just do that, but be able to confirm it the more you watch. And that's what, uh, they have way more distinctions with OPS than we have with the Enneagram. And just to see that they've been able to um, create these distinctions and, you know, you can triangulate them and that they are able to type the same person separately and arrive at the same answer means like, okay, you have a system that uh, has sharp distinctions that you can consistently come arrive at the same conclusion. And that's why the Enneagram hooked me in the first place. It's like, oh, these types are real and this is a consistent way that they show up and which means that their hard line implications on what this means and the way people live and function. Actually, uh, personality is about motivation, not behavior. And you can't <laughs> yeah. know anybody better than they know themselves. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> All that we should, yeah. you know, I, I was thinking we should, we needed to do an episode on that alone. Yeah. Cause that's, that's something great. that's, that's true. Yeah. That's, that's a really a, good idea. That's a re- really something that people repeat so much. And it's, it's just to see that, uh, how can we help people understand that personality is not just what you're motivated by, that it's spilling out nonstop all the time? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. I think after we do, I'm going to actually put that on the counter because I kind of forget some of the stuff, but like we should, <laughs> yeah. after we do the drunk pod, let's do that one. Yeah, yeah, that would be a fun one. Um, yeah. We should wrap up here pretty quick because I got to go, but um, yeah, me too. I think we should do a follow up with this, just more about like implications of crossovers and things like that. Yeah, like I mean, I think this this we started off with you know what the uh, sexual polarity and attraction and compatibility and mm-hmm. just why this was significant for that. Um, the sexual. Yeah, I'd love to get more are... into that yeah. because now yeah. like, now that we've got these building blocks, then the masculine feminine thing we can get into. Yeah. Like on that thing, yeah. that that graphic that I sent, you'll see that it, mine starts with MF, so that's mm-hmm. masculine, feminine, and some people are FF and MM and FM. Yeah, let's do that uh, next time we talk about this system. Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, uh, some people are, a lot of people are pissed off about OP, and I, I just think it's hilarious. If you're doing <laughs> anything original, how fucking mad people are. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I think it's just a rich way to uh, explore personality. I've learned a lot from their system. Cool. Well, There's Nancy with her sleep. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Nancy. Uh, yeah, I usually mute myself, but we were ending, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I gotta get going, but this has been pretty interesting, and I'm yeah, this is yeah, good. like because it's been so much. Like you guys have brought this up a lot, but it's kind of been too opaque for me. So this breaking it down into bits is good. Yeah, it's yeah. also nice to hear uh, Imika talking for a change. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Nancy. <laughs> We're just exchanging one blaster for another. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> hey, I have a type. What can I say? Pretty, pretty soon, you'll get tired of me and be like, "We want John back." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're never gonna get David or Nancy. <laughs> no. It's not, it's not our role. It's just like hilarious. Like John will be asking Nancy, so tell me about this. And Nancy's like, <sighs> I literally have to think about it for five minutes. I gotta like, like chop off like 30 seconds of Nancy, like try to figure out how to. <laughs> and then John won't let it go. He won't take a hint that maybe no. I should not... No, he's like, so tell me more. 
about can you say more i hate the can you say more no oh, i didn't even know that was a thing i just thought oh she needs, she needs more questions to figure I mean, out no can you say more is fine if you say what you want me to say yeah that's the thing like john's blast it's uh i need context man it, it's yeah like Huh. You have your blast has to be well, your questions. I should say your questions have to be translated. And in the past, I'd do it, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's just yeah. It's some just like good hard. things have come from John not translating his questions for right. me. How do so. they need to be translated? Like I don't understand. I'm not understanding. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, for example, you asked you asked the question. I think like what does it mean to have a good attachment, and what are the factors that make an attachment good or something like that and i was sitting there thinking to myself like there's no way anyone's gonna answer this question and then and then there was a long pause and then john was like what do you and somebody like asked the clarifying question and john made it even more complicated he did. Like, he did. and i was like this is not gonna go anywhere and it didn't and then when it came around to david he was like i still don't understand what the question is. that was after like court courtney tried to explain i think what john is yeah, trying to say courtney is, can sometimes get it dude that shit was like the first time I listened to it. I was like, nobody's gonna want to hear this. And then the second time I listened to it after I like edited it, it was like, okay, so it's not that bad. But it's just hilarious, like how, like dog, like a dog on a bone. John is like, I want my question, and I'm not gonna explain it to you. <laughs> I feel like it's so clear. Like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not at all. Because it's like, how do I? How do I? Yeah. Anyway, how do I? Mean? Like, do for I example, like I, even if people answer the the answer that they come up with isn't really really an answer because it's like they don't really know where to go with your question interesting i think well, that's the point of his questions <laughs> I, like, feel like, I feel like like sometimes i know that i'm having a hard time finding the language but i feel like the intent or or like i feel like it's like i don't know something like that i feel like well yeah what's a good attachment versus a bad attachment it seems like a no no interesting <laughs> and i don't even know how you would put that in a simpler way either like i can't just be like oh well another way to ask this because right, yeah. it doesn't what, make any sense to me what because i thought about this quite a bit and i was realizing that you know some calls that we do and we stall out it'll be because somebody is trying to bite off you know too much that anyone can chew and so usually mm -hmm. what happens we end up with these sort of like large insights because they get stacked on top of other insights which you know, you, mm, you throw no. you throw David or Nancy or whoever a softball, and they can answer it uh, quickly, and then somebody else can jump in and build on that. And eventually, 30, 45 mm. minutes later, we jump on something like a big, like, how is a good attachment formed? And then that's one part of it. And the second part of it is, I saw a video on YouTube uh, on a thing that Wired was doing as to, uh, like, some expert had to explain a difficult concept all the way from kindergarten. Oh, I love those videos. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I so he was explaining, I forget what it was, black holes or something like mm -hmm. that, to like from kid to grade school to high school to college and then someone who was an expert in the field. So to see how he could take a really difficult concept and make it so simple that a child could have a conversation with him, it's like, that is, I mean, it's just skill. like a, a skill of conversation. Mm -hmm. But I was like, what is it about like Joe Rogan that's so compelling to listen to? Because he's a fucking idiot to me. Mm -hmm. But he has an ability to ask questions that people are eager to answer. Yeah. And I mean, he simplifies things because he's not the smartest guy, but he's not dumb either. But I've seen guests on the Joe Rogan show go on other shows with really smart people like Tim Ferriss, who's a really smart guy. Uh, he was also play last where he's like, 
similar to John, he's like, he wants the information. It's like, he asks very specific questions. And if you want the information, you might find that show more useful, but the conversation suffers. And be because a bit dry. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. dry. Um, that's, I think it's just something, you know, to work on John, like your play is like, how do I frame things in a way that people want to talk? <laughs> Where there's some bounce to it or something. Yeah. Like they, they want to ping off what I've said because it's so specific that no one can ping off of what you've said. Interesting. Yeah. I have to like, well, I, have to, I really do have to go, but I have to figure out like, cause this, like, you know, it's a blind spot or whatever. Like I'm not, it's, it's like still blind to me, what that means. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Right. Anyway, I, I have to get going. All right. All right, guys. All right, later. Hey. Later. Bye.